We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How is everybody doing? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. We are coming to you live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres, as well as on Twitter. Important to lock in with me on all the social media platforms. Twitter is by far the most important. You can do that at MTorres Sports. Um, just a little side note, I was having some audio issues the past couple of episodes. So uh, I got to fiddle with my mic a little bit. I'm rolling with my AirPods this episode. Hopefully that's a little bit better. If that doesn't work, then maybe I'll just use the, the microphone that just comes by default with my laptop. So just wanted to apologize if the sound quality isn't that great. I'm doing my best to try to figure that out. But the show must go on. As we know, there's a lot of things to talk about in the world of Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. And today we're going to be doing a mailbag podcast. So I did put out a tweet uh, earlier in the week asking you guys four questions, let you guys guide the show and let me know what's on your mind. So I am going to be prioritizing those questions on this episode. Not too sure how long I'm going to go, probably at least a half an hour, possibly a little bit more. But all that being said, if you happen to have a question about Oregon football or Oregon football recruiting, feel free to holler at me in the live chat on YouTube, and I will do my best to get to as many questions as I can. So setting the stage for today's episode, Oregon heads into their final big recruiting weekend uh, in Eugene ahead of the February dead period, which starts next week. Um, I do have a visitor list story posted on DucksDigest.com, so I'm trying to do my best to update that. Uh, as uh, you know, maybe I hear some from sources, or uh, or we have recruits announcing their plans to be in Eugene over social media. So I'm doing my best to update that. But go on over and give that a read if you haven't already. Also posted a 2024 hot board story, taking a little bit of a closer look at Oregon's top quarterback targets in the 2024 class. That's just some of the latest stories that we have over on Ducks Digest. And then I'll also plan to post a visit recap story for one of Oregon's biggest visitors recently. That's 2024 Texas defensive lineman Nigel Smith, the second high four-star talent. And um, I want to say he is a top 50 player in the country, but 
really, really special talent, and he had nothing but good things to say about Oregon. Definitely going to be a big target for the Ducks out there in the Lone Star State. So let's hop into our first question of the day, which comes from Penny at DuckScribe. Penny asks, when's the spring game? Uh, this still hasn't been officially announced by uh, Oregon football or by Oregon athletics, but you know, based on some, some whispers and some rumors, it looks like the spring game is probably going to be on April 29th. Uh, I believe I saw that uh, on like a Facebook group, uh, an Oregon uh, Facebook group, fan group, uh, Oregon football fans. So that is uh, Saturday, April 29th. Not confirmed yet, but that is kind of the date that I've been seeing floating around there on the socials uh, in the Oregon Duck football community. So we'll still have to wait for official confirmation from Oregon football and from the University of Oregon. But it looks like the date that you want to circle as of right now is probably going to be Saturday, April 29th for the 2023 Oregon football spring game to uh, kind of really start off officially, unofficially, year two of the Dan Lanning era of Oregon football in Eugene. So that's kind of what we have to go on right now. And then the second question, uh, our next question comes from Rick S. Rick asks, any chance the Ducks snag another 2023 five-star? And I'm going to kind of try to combo this with another question that we have that I think relates perfectly with this question, which comes from, um nuggets slash ducks fan who asks harbor odds he's a duck slash who leads so one of the biggest visitors for oregon football this weekend is 2023 five-star athlete nicholas harbor who comes out of washington dc archbishop carroll high school he is in oregon uh to to begin his official visit the final official visit in his recruitment Important thing to note here is I don't believe I've seen anywhere, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong in the chat or put it in the chat. I don't believe I've seen anywhere that Harbor is locked into that February 1st uh, signing day for his official commitment or decision. So we've seen it before plenty of times where high-level recruits like a Nicholas Harbor, for example, we saw it with Josh Connerly last cycle, will push past those traditional recruiting timelines and deadlines um, because I think you really have until maybe even April or like right up until you enroll at your school of choice. Um, I would assume that Nicholas Harbor isn't going to be enrolling early wherever he goes because he is a trap guy, figures that he would want to uh, go out with a bang his senior season and be able to complete that final track season with Archbishop Carroll. But I'm talking about Nicholas Harbor because not only is he the biggest visitor on campus for Oregon football this weekend, He's the best five-star in 2023 that they still have a chance of landing. Uh, they did land, obviously, and sign 2023 five-star wide receiver Jurion Dickey. And then uh, I believe the only other guy that was kind of in that territory was Mateo Uyunglele. But he, uh, he actually dropped quite a bit in 247's updated rankings, dropping from 17 to 47. Uh, and he was kind of really flirting with that five-star status. I believe he earned it on Rivals. But let's talk about Nicholas Harbor. This is a really interesting recruitment, especially with how highly ranked he is and how he is still available. Um, it looks like it's a four-team race right now. You got Oregon in the mix, obviously, with their official visit this weekend. And then you also have Maryland, Michigan, and South Carolina. Uh, I know for Maryland, 
Both of his parents, I believe, uh, graduated from the University of Maryland, where uh, Mike Loxley is in charge right now of that football program. And then you have Michigan, which is another, another, um, another really prestigious program, not only historically, but right now in the present, coming off of back-to-back college football playoff appearances. And then you have South Carolina, which is a school he's been linked to for quite some time. I believe he's very close with a number of commits in that 2023 recruiting class that Shane Beamer has assembled out there in Columbia. So this is a really tightly contested recruitment, but uh, it's it's hard to kind of go against the Ducks. You certainly can't count them out in this recruitment. And the timing of this official visit could not be any better for Dan Lanning and company. And part of the reason for that is because uh, Lanning and the Oregon coaching staffs, the Oregon coaching staff have been able to take uh, multiple in-home visits to see Harbor and have some time with his family across the country in Washington, D.C. Dan Lanning getting to go in-home, and then uh, Oregon uh, reportedly sent some of the track coaches, according to 247 Sports' Steve Wolfong, the track coaches and a couple of Oregon football coaches uh, on another in-home with Nicholas Harbor. And then you figure that all of his other finalists have been able to go in-home with him as well. I believe he's taken official visits to all of his other finalists. So Oregon is obviously the last one left on the table. And I think for what Nicholas Harbor wants to do, uh, you know, if you've been following this recruitment for a while, you know how big of a role track plays in this recruitment. Six foot five, right around 230 pounds, and he is an absolute blur on the track. Wants to be an Olympian. Uh, I think he also wants to be a surgeon, is, is what I've been reading and, and hearing about. And uh, talking about how Oregon and, you know, Phil Knight have, have worked together to uh, you know, make some, some pretty stellar medical facilities at the University of Oregon. No doubt he'll get a look at those during his time in Eugene. Uh, but from what I've been able to kind of talk to and gather, what I've been able to gather from some of the sources I've spoken with is that the track team is really doing a lot of the heavy lifting in this recruitment. But there's no doubt about it that, that Nicholas Harbor, if there ever was a time to put out the red carpet, it's certainly going to be this weekend for Dan Lanning and the Oregon football program uh you know that he's gonna get that red carpet treatment seeing that he is the highest priority for Oregon remaining in the 2023 class and the Ducks really coming on strong late in this uh in this recruitment but um you know getting him on campus is obviously a massive step in the right direction they're gonna get a chance to make the last impression be the freshest impression on his mind so I really feel like right now if I had to make a prediction I would probably put uh Oregon for Nicholas Harbor just in terms of what he is looking for at his uh, at his future home, we have Tracktown USA, obviously with Oregon. And then the interesting thing with Harbor is that he wants to play offense at the next level, but he hasn't ruled out playing some defensive snaps. He also starred as an edge rusher during his high school football career, so he's pro- predominantly going to play offense at the next level. But looks like he's going to maybe get some snaps uh, every now and again to. Um, to get after the quarterback, which is certainly another area that Oregon needs help in. Um, We know that Roderick Pleasant is another target that they're heavily recruiting in the 2023 recruiting class. There's been a lot of smoke about him taking a visit out to Oregon after I reported that Dan Lanning was taking an in-home visit in Gardena earlier this week to see Roderick Pleasant. There were some some whispers and some rumors and buzz that Pleasant was going to be heading to Eugene this weekend. 
I have not personally been able to confirm that. There's been some reports that that come that came out saying that Pleasant is not going to be at Oregon this weekend, but I'm still working working the phone and trying to figure out if Pleasant is in fact going to be in Eugene, but he's a major target for Oregon in the 2023 recruiting class. He's announcing his commitment next Wednesday on February 1st and will choose from a top five of Oregon, USC, UCLA, Cal, and Boston College. Uh, obviously a top five, but this one for all intents and purposes looks like a USC versus Oregon battle. So uh, I'm thinking I'm going to probably come out with a podcast, like I had mentioned earlier, focusing on just those two recruits, Nicholas Harbor and Roderick Pleasant. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to interview Roderick Pleasant next week uh, if all goes according to plan. So I think that going into this visit, um, it's hard to not view Oregon as the leader. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that this, this is far from a done deal. Um, we don't have a commitment date or a decision date for Nicholas Harbor. But, uh, you know, this is a golden opportunity for Oregon to try to seal the deal, show him everything that they have uh, building in the 2023 recruiting class and beyond with the football program in Eugene. So I think this is awesome, awesome uh, opportunity for the Ducks to be able to close the deal with Nicholas Harbor. So I think he is the guy that they have the five star that they have the best chances with still on the board in 2023. Great questions. Next question comes from Jive Sire, Jive underscore Sire. Hopefully I'm saying that right. The question is, what do you view is the potential of our defensive line when looking at the players in-house, the transfers, and the incoming class? And then a little bit of a two-parter. Will this be a unit of strength, or is it the biggest unknown so far on this upcoming season's roster? Um, I think for, for Oregon and the defensive line in 2023, I view it as one of the biggest strengths of this team. I will say, though, however, just because it's a strength does not mean that the defensive line is is where it needs to be, right? If you look at Oregon's defensive line, and I feel like I've talked about this a lot before, so I don't want to get too repetitive. Um, if you look at Oregon's defensive line compared to the rest of college football, and certainly to college football's elite, your Georgias, your Alabamas, your Ohio States, your Clemsons, all those programs have multiple dudes, multiple difference makers that that give offensive coordinators fits, that give opposing offensive line fits. And I'm not sure if Oregon is necessarily there just yet. Does that mean it's not a good group? Not at all. I think that going into 2023, you're certainly banking on Jordan Birch. And if you're you know, the Oregon coaching staff, you're hoping that Jordan Birch can be that dude for you on the defensive line. I think Brandon Dorless is certainly a dude, uh, definitely the most proven and most talented returning defensive lineman that Oregon has on its defense under Dan Landing and Tosh Lapoy. I think it's just a matter of him taking that next step in his development to be more consistent and produce at a higher level. And I think by adding a guy like Jordan Birch and then getting Mace Funa back, Casey Rogers back, um, that allows you to maybe have a couple more options with regard to where you want to use Brandon Dorless along Tony Tuioti's defensive line. Because I think that he kind of started his Oregon career a little bit more on the inside, then he, then he kicked out a little bit to the outside. Um, and I think that now that you have all these returners, you have some more flexibility to move Dorless around and really get the most out of him because – um, he's definitely the most skilled guy that Oregon has coming back from last season. 
and then you're hoping that Jordan Birch can really be a dominant force for you on, on the edge, um, wherever you decide to use him. You know, he's 6'6", 275, definitely a lot taller and a lot bigger frame than Brandon Dorless, but those are two really solid pieces of that defensive line. And then you have Keon Ware Hudson coming back, and I feel like he's slowly been building, but is certainly taking his game in the right direction. You have Popo Amavai who uh, got banged up before last season and comes back to Eugene for one more year. He's played a ton of football, and I believe he has played at a first-team All-Pac-12 level. Uh, and then you also have Sam Taimani coming back. Um, I mean, that hasn't been announced, but I'm pretty sure at this point it looks like he's coming back because we haven't really heard anything. Um, and then you have some guys coming in from the 2023 class, right? You have Mateo Uyunglele, who's already there, the start edge rusher from St. John Bosco. You have Terrence Green um, from Texas. You have Johnny Bowens also from Texas. Those are two battle-tested guys, two big-bodied guys. You have Tavita Pomee, who's already there, along with Bowens as an early enrollee. Um, who else do we got? Looking at the edge, you got Blake Purchase, Jaden Moore. Blake Purchase is a guy that I've been really high on since he committed to Oregon, and I think he could be an early impact caliber of a talent for Oregon. Um just trying to think of some other guys that they might have on the edge. Let me let me just look this up. I should always just get this page up so I don't have to keep pulling it up every time I, I reference it. Michael Gardner is another guy that you have uh, from Arizona and Amari Washington. So there's a lot of guys from that 2023 recruiting class that I think can absolutely make an impact on this team. It's just a matter of seeing who's going to be in that rotation. Um, so I think that the potential for Oregon's offensive line or sorry, defensive line, excuse me. I, I think Oregon has the potential to have the best defensive line in the Pac-12, which may not be saying a whole heck of a lot because the Pac-12 obviously hasn't been known for their defenses, right? you got teams like Utah, Washington. I think USC's defensive line is getting better. UCLA has put together some solid defensive lines. Oregon State is a, a team that wants to be in that conversation as well, and Jonathan Smith has them going in the right direction. So I think that um, I think that the defensive line unit should be a strength for Oregon, but there is a little bit of unknown just in terms of how does the rest of that defensive line rotation shake out because you have so many returning veterans and you're also adding so many guys from the 2023 recruiting class. It's just a matter of seeing where guys can kind of carve out their roles. And, and hey, just because you have a lot of veterans coming back doesn't mean that they have roles locked up. You know, if you're a veteran coming back to this defensive line group and you've kind of been a little bit middle of the pack, middle of the road, maybe some of these young guys get to Eugene and they fight for a spot and, and take the spot. So I think that there's so much talent to work with along the defensive line that this is setting up to be one of Oregon's deepest defensive lines in recent memory. But whether we're going to see that production on the field um, is largely going to be dependent on can they stay a dominant run defense? And then more importantly, can they take that next step in getting after the quarterback and generating a more consistent pass rush? So great question. I'm super excited about this defensive line for next year. And I think, well, actually, I'm going to get to that in the next question. This one might be a little bit of an older question because we had some news break after it was asked, but I still wanted to address it, maybe even if it's really quick. Kevin G asks, where are we at with the D-back, the defensive backs in the transfer portal? Any shot at them, the two Ole Miss guys and the Georgia cornerback. Um, I'm not sure who the second Ole Miss guy is, but I'm assuming the first Ole Miss guy was Taishim Johnson, 
who, as we know, has since committed to the University of Oregon to become the 10th transfer in for Dan Lanning and the Ducks. So obviously this pretty good standing there. Uh, but Jaheim Singletary is another interesting guy because he does have some ties to Lanning because Lanning was on staff at Georgia, I want to say, um, when Singletary was getting recruited. And then Singletary also took a visit to Oregon when he was still in high school prior to ending up in Georgia. But I want to say he's originally from Florida in the Jacksonville area. So that's a state that is has been pretty tough for Oregon to um, break into, at least in recent cycles. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Florida recruiting later in this episode. Um, so I, I don't have any any intel on where Oregon stands with Jaheim Singletary. I do, have, however, have reason to believe that Oregon is still looking at its options at cornerback. Um, because for me, I think that is one of the biggest question marks on this team heading into 2023. You bring in Kyrie Jackson from Alabama. Um, didn't have necessarily a ton of high-level production while he was with the Tide, but I think he definitely has a high floor, just if you're looking at how he maybe compares to some of the other corners in that room. He's played a lot of football, played under some of the best coaches the game has to offer. And then which of those young guys or returners, returners and young guys, can take that next step in their game? You have Triquez Bridges coming back. You have Dante Manning coming back. I think Dante Manning showed you some glimpses last year of, you know, what made him a five, former five-star. I want to say he's one of, if not the highest defensive back recruits that Oregon has ever signed. I think there's been a little bit left uh, to be desired, right, since he's come to Oregon. He's been a little bit banged up, but even when he's been healthy, I don't think he necessarily looks where we would expect him to be at this point in his Oregon career, but he's still a guy that I'm really excited about and high on. I think he can take that next step. You'll have some continuity here. Uh, pretty much across the board at every position other than safety, right, with Matt Powledge going to Baylor and then Chris Hampton coming over from Tulane to head up that group. I think that's one thing that is going to be playing to Oregon's advantage heading into next season is that you're not going to be going through a coaching transition. You're having coaches that are returning, aside from Matt Powledge and Kenny Dillingham as of right now. Um, I know we're seeing some comments about Adrian Clem, who was interviewing for the Patriots offensive coordinator job, which I believe has been filled by Bill O'Brien um, from the uh, from the Patriots. No, Jesus. From the uh, Crimson Tide. Bill O'Brien from Alabama. It looks like he's been, uh, you know, the, the name of the new offensive coordinator, I believe. Maybe I need to do a little bit more research on that. Um, but all that to say, I think that there's reason to believe that Oregon's still going to be looking for a cornerback or two uh, in the uh, transfer portal. Uh, maybe you even get, you know, a late, a late addition from the 2023 recruiting class. Right now, it looks like the, the most likely guy in that position would be Roderick Pleasant. But even if Oregon is able to get Roderick Pleasant, I'm, I'm interested to see what his role would be at Oregon because when I spoke with him, he told me that Oregon was talking about doing a little bit of everything, offense, defense, and special teams. Um, so I, I think I'm just really interested to see how that recruitment shakes out with, with it looking like a USC versus Oregon battle. So all that said, um, I don't have any specific intel on those guys that, you, that were asking this question from Kevin G, but I do have reason to believe just on, based on some conversations that I've had with sources that Oregon should, is probably looking uh, to add at least one more corner in this class. And I think that is definitely something you want to do. You have some young guys. Julio Florence played a lot. I'm pretty high on him. 
Uh, then you also have Jaleel Tucker, Avante Dickerson, Darren Barkins uh, that are all on the roster. And then you signed a lot of corners in 2023 from the prep level. Cole Martin's already enrolled at the University of Oregon. Got to chop it up with him in San Antonio a little bit. San Antonio a little bit. Uh, then you also have Colin Gill and then Dalen Austin from Long Beach Poly. Believe he's trying to enroll in time for spring ball, and I think he's a guy who could certainly compete for some snaps, some meaningful snaps at that cornerback spot. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Next question comes from Glowbones. Glowbones asks, how much of a concern is it that Oregon isn't recruiting well in Florida? Um, I don't say I wouldn't say it's a big concern. Uh, and I don't know that you can necessarily say that they aren't recruiting well in Florida because they landed 2023 offensive lineman Janoris Wilson from Lakeland, Florida, Lakeland, Florida, same high school as Cormani McLean, the new Colorado commit for Deion Sanders. So they kind of got in. Um, they got they got Janoris Wilson in this 2023 class. Former wrestler. I don't know if he's necessarily a, an early impact kind of guy, but I think he's made of the right stuff. And and Clem views him as a guy he can really mold into someone who can do a little bit of everything um, at Oregon. So I, I know that Adrian Clem has kind of really become a little bit to a degree the face of Oregon's recruiting in the state of Florida, not only because of Janoris Wilson, but during the times when Oregon coaches have been able to get out on the road recruiting people um, and stopping to see some schools extend some offers, Clem has spent a lot of time in the Sunshine State. So those offers are going out. Oregon's still competing for some of these guys. But Florida is one of the hardest states to break into, especially given the location um, right now. But another thing we have to talk about is that we still don't necessarily know if Adrian Clem is going to be coming back. Uh, to the University of Oregon for 2023. Um, I, I, I think that he, I don't know, just, just look at it from, from his point of view. You know, you come back to the college level uh, to coach at Oregon in 2023. You field one of, if, 
one of certainly the best offensive line groups in the entire country. You have some success, some really good success on the recruiting trail. You get Josh Connerly, who's played a lot, who played a lot as a freshman, true freshman, and he's coming back next year, and, and he should be having a pretty significant role on Adrian Clem's offensive line. You add a bunch of talent in 2023, including two really high-profile transfers in the Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island and Junior Angelau from Texas. Both of those guys are already on campus in Eugene. So you have all that success. You lose a lot of guys from the 2022 offensive line, but you have guys that you added from 23 and from the portal that should make it a little a, a fairly suitable transition, right, to a new unit. And then you have some guys in 2024 that you're also in a good spot with, like Brandon Baker. Uh, you already have Fox Crater in the fold. So it's just hard for me to envision Adrian Clem having the success that he had at Oregon in 2022, coming back to the college game for one year and then hopping back to the NFL. So that's just my gut feel right now. I, I don't really see it. Um, but you know, I've never been in his shoes. I've never been a college coach. I've never had the chance to, to coach in the NFL for a team that he has played for, uh, in the new England Patriots, uh, playing for Bill Belichick earlier on in his professional career. So it's still something we have to figure out and see what happens, uh, for Oregon and Adrian Clem, but, I just don't think it makes the most sense right now for him to return back to uh, the pro ranks after having so much success and so much promise lying ahead of him. Um, oh, and you can also add for this question about Florida, the Ducks got Dallas Wilson out of the Tampa area, wide receiver in 2025. Sure, it's very early, but I think you have to give Oregon some credit there. Uh, getting a, an early commitment from one of the best receivers in the Sunshine State who has a lot of offers, had a lot of offers, and more offers are coming in. Uh, I know Alabama is a school that recently offered Dallas Wilson, um, which isn't you know the end-all, be-all offer when it comes to college football recruiting, but that's obviously a big offer. If, if Bama's offering you, you're doing something right. Um, and then offers coming in recently from Central Florida, Louisville, Maryland, Miami. Uh, Kansas State, Indiana, Georgia, Tennessee. So lots of big offers uh, on the table for Dallas Wilson. And it's definitely a long way to go to ultimately get him to Eugene. A lot can happen between now and signing day for the 2025s. Uh, but certainly something that you uh, you know can be happy about getting a guy of his caliber so early. You know, he was saying in some social media videos that I believe I saw from workouts, hey, man, I get that Oregon offer and I'm committing on the spot. And that's basically what happened. He got offered earlier in the day by, I believe it was Coach Clem. And then he pulled the trigger and committed to Oregon. So I think for Oregon, definitely want to keep working in Florida. But as far as more the more realistic option right now, I think it really is Texas, the Lone Star State. Uh, you had a, a tremendous amount of success in the Lone Star State in 2023. Oregon was doing a great job in 2022 in Texas until Mario Cristobal left and that staff fell apart. And then basically everybody from Texas decommitted. And then the Ducks were able to get back into Texas uh, with Kamari Terrell out of Colleen Shoemaker High School. Um, that was late in the 2022 cycle. Uh, and then you got Tyler Turner in 2023. You got Johnny Bowens. You got Terrence Green. You got Ashton Cozart, a wide receiver. Um, and then you got Austin Novosad, uh, the quarterback. So given what they've been able to do in previous recruiting classes, and then also given the staff at Oregon and the Texas ties that they have on this coaching staff, you're really going to see Texas be a major priority for, for Oregon. And I would say right now, 
And for at least the foreseeable future, I think it's going to be more of a priority than the state of Florida, given those connections that Oregon's coaches have to the Lone Star State. Will Stein comes over as one of the newest additions, the new quarterbacks coach and the new offensive coordinator. Uh, I believe he was recently out in Texas not too long ago. Um, and Oregon offered uh, an, an athlete quarterback. I believe his name is Michael Terry out of the San Antonio area. So I think Texas is the state that you have to watch right now. Um, you want to keep pushing into Florida, but when it's come, you know, when it comes to honesty hour and, you know, what can we really do here? I think you want to prioritize Texas as that state. You can do a lot more damage in. Okay, here we go. Um, another question. Next question. This is the last question that I have from my, um, from my Twitter. So if you guys have a question that you want to run by me, go ahead and throw it in the live chat and I'll see if I can get to it. And then while you're at it, just while we're here on YouTube, do me a favor and take a second to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. And that does a huge, huge help for me. Um, and what I'm doing, trying to cover Oregon, keep growing the channel, keep growing the podcast, appreciate all the support there. So here's an interesting question. Can Oregon really take the next step with Bo at quarterback? Are we going to tolerate his scared style of running, his scared running style, sliding seven yards before the nearest defender? Uh, this question comes from Ish Mama Ducks. And I, I, it's interesting. I, I, first of all, I wouldn't say that Bo Nix has a scared running style. Maybe you saw that a little bit towards the end of the year because he was banged up and didn't want to get hurt again. But Let's tackle the first part of this question. Can Oregon really take the next step with Bo at quarterback? What do you view as the next step for Oregon football? Um, is it returning to the playoffs? Is it winning the playoff game? Is it going to the national championship game, winning the national championship game? I feel like you kind of have to contextualize what the next step is for Oregon. But as far as what I view as the next step for Oregon, I, I mean, I think it, it starts, of course, with getting back to the Pac-12 title game and then winning the Pac-12 title. And I think it kind of is a return to the playoffs because returning to the Rose Bowl would be a next step for Lanning, but it wouldn't be a next step for Oregon football. I think Oregon fans, they're well familiar with the Rose Bowl, well acquainted with the Rose Bowl. They've won a lot of Rose Bowl championships, right? And I think that Oregon's at the point, and I feel like this is a take that I'm really growing more and more passionate about just as things evolve. Oregon continues to recruit at a high level. They bring in high-level coaches. They have all the facilities, all the evolutions. Um, but I feel like Rose Bowls aren't enough for where Oregon's at. So all of that being said, I think the next step for Oregon is returning to the college football playoff. So let's take that. And then apply that to the question, can Oregon take the next step, a.k.a. returning to the playoffs with Bo at quarterback? And my answer to that is I think they absolutely can. You do lose a decent amount from, from a year ago, right? You lose your top cornerback in Christian Gonzalez, and he was a stud in a really poor passing defense. So that's obviously an area that they got to get figured out. But looking at offense and you know just being able to put up points Bo Nix comes back. You get some really good players from the transfer portal and the high school ranks to kind of help shore up that offensive line that loses a lot of veterans. You lose Chase Coda, uh, who was your number two wide receiver, and you lose some tight ends. But I think that's another area that Oregon needs to address a little bit more in the portal. Maybe add another tight end after losing Maliki Montevall, Cam McCormick, and Terrell Tillman. I know he didn't play a lot, but he was a tight end before he transferred. 
So you maybe need to add another tight end to bolster that room with Terrence Ferguson and, and Patrick Herbert, Kenyon Sadiq from the 23 class. So next step, I think that Oregon's offense has all of those components, right? I mean, look at how bad Oregon's defense was last year. It wasn't a good defense. Sure, it had its moments, and it was good at stopping the run, but when it really came down to it, aside from that Utah game, which I think you really have to give a lot of props to that defense for helping win that game, I think Oregon's defense left a lot to be desired and isn't necessarily at a playoff caliber level. All that being said, right, if Bo doesn't get hurt, maybe Oregon wins that Washington game, and then he keeps keeps going with that momentum, and they can win the Utah game, and they can win the Oregon State game, go back to the Pac-12 championship game, and uh, and potentially beat USC, right? So I think if you're just, you know, hypotheticals are, you know, fun to talk about and whatever, but I think what I'm the point I'm trying to make is that if Bo stayed healthy last year, I think the playoff was well within Oregon's reach, even with a defense that left much to be desired. But you bring in some defensive backs in that secondary, Tysheem Johnson, Evan Williams, Kyrie Jackson, to really help shore up that defense uh, against the pass. And then you also have some talented guys from the 2023 high school class that can, you know, fight for a role and maybe uh, be early contributors for you. Then you bring in Justin Jacobs at that linebacker spot. I'm excited about him, Jordan Birch, a lot of veteran guys in that front seven, even though you lose Noah Sewell, you also bring in Connor Soley. And these aren't necessarily plug and play guys across the board. I'm not trying to say that Oregon's replacing the guys they're losing with better players, although that maybe is happening in some instances, but I think that, with a lot of guys leaving from the transfer portal and a lot of guys coming from the transfer portal and the high school ranks, this is going to be a little bit more of Dan Lanning's defense, Tosh Lapoy's defense, you know, more players that are possibly better tailored to suit the, the, the needs and the skill set in their defense. So I think that that's obviously one of the biggest question marks and one of the biggest things that needs to happen if Oregon wants to take that next step, go back to the playoff, can Oregon's defense take that next step in 2023? Because we know the offense is going to be there. Having that continuity at quarterback for the first time since Justin Herbert, who was handcuffed as a quarterback, having that continuity at quarterback with Bo Nix coming back in 2023, you figure he's going to be a Heisman uh, contender, and he's certainly one of the best quarterbacks in a loaded Pac-12 conference. I think the offense is going to be there. It's just really a matter of can the defense match the level of the offense or at least take a big step in getting closer to operating at the level of Oregon's offense. And uh, I mean, maybe it's not, maybe I shouldn't kind of be saying it as if it's a done deal. You know, you do bring a new offensive coordinator in with Will Stein, but I do really like that hire and kind of based on some of what we saw at UTSA, I think he's a good hire that's going to be able to keep some of that consistency from a schematic standpoint between Kenny Dillingham and now Will Stein. So really like that question. Uh, I think that Oregon can can take the next step with Bo at quarterback in returning to the playoff. But then even after that, you have to look in 2024, what's the quarterback picture looking like after Bo leaves? Ty Thompson is still on the roster as of right now. So you figure that he'll be in the mix. You have Austin Novosad from the 2023 recruiting class. Um, so those are the only two other scholarship quarterbacks right now. Maybe they get another quarterback from the portal. Most of the big name quarterbacks out of the portal uh, have already found new spots, but that's a, a room that still needs some help, I think, in terms of just building more depth. All right, let's get to some of these questions. Um, let's see what we have. Um, 
Let's see. All right, better audio today is what uh, what one of the comments were saying. Um, that's great. Um, Eric asks, any updates on Coach Clem? There were plenty of articles saying the Patriots were zeroing in on adding him as their O-line coach. This would be a huge loss. Yeah, I mean, so I talked a little bit about Clem earlier on in the show, uh, but it doesn't look like there's a whole lot new to report um, on the uh, on the Adrian Clem front. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen there. I mean, the, the Patriots aren't playing anymore. There's only four teams left in the NFL. Uh, playoffs right now but yeah I think that if Oregon was to lose him I think it would be a significant loss just because of how much success he's had at Oregon uh, how well the the group has played with him and you gotta think too the the Ducks already lost another uh, piece of their offensive line staff with Vianne Talamayvau going to join the uh, Northern Arizona staff as their new offensive line coach and he was a really good piece of that group as well so no new updates necessarily on Coach Clem. I feel like I've already covered them kind of in this show. Uh, but, yeah, it would be a significant loss if they were to lose him. Uh, but my gut's kind of telling me that I think he's going to be back right now based on some of the conversations that I've had. So we'll have to see where that ultimately ends up for Adrian Clem. Um, Brooks is saying, heard someone say, just like there is a player transfer portal only open certain dates, should be one for coaches too. Yeah, that would uh, that would obviously help a whole lot if if uh, there was a you know certain window for uh, coaches moving as well. But um, we know that's not the reality right now. But that's just uh, coaches can move at the drop of a hat, and I feel like to a degree, you know, it's only fair that players can move as much as coaches can. But it's nice with all this chaos of the transfer portal that we're starting to get a little bit of relegation regulation excuse me a little bit of regulation and guidance on those dates uh because it has been so messy uh that would certainly help uh that would certainly help you know coaches and and programs um andrew says i know trying to pry five stars out of cali is going to get progressively more difficult but modern day has two massive tackles graduating next year. What a pair they could be. Yeah. I mean, the, the two guys that you're talking about there, Andrew are Brandon Baker, who is the younger brother of Gary Baker who played at Oregon. And then also Deandre Carter. Um, those are two guys that look like they could play college football in 2023, uh, but they are class of 2024 recruits. I know that Oregon has been surging and is probably viewed as a favorite for Brandon Baker right now. If I had to put in a prediction for Brandon Baker, it would be Oregon. But uh, DeAndre Carter, I feel like he he has also been a, a big target for schools across the country. I think that Oregon definitely has better chances with Brandon Baker, but both of those guys have absolutely national recruitments. I know that Brandon Baker recently got an offer from Colorado, I want to say, and I think he might be visiting Colorado this weekend. Um trying to do a little bit of research here just just on the fly but he continues to get big offers he got offered by old miss this week uh you also have uh nau with vianne telemival who i just mentioned um nevada um and then yeah he is going to colorado this week just right after getting re-offered um and he was also at washington lately uh and usc in the month of january so it's going to be a tightly contested recruitment for sure with Brandon Baker, but I think that 
Uh, if you had to go with one of the two tackles there with DeAndre Carter and Brandon Baker, Brandon Baker looks like uh, he is the more realistic option right now. All right. Raymond asks, how does the Oregon scholarship go from 96 down to 85? Yeah, this is a kind of a really big question right now. And discussion point in the Oregon football community is that Oregon has taken so many guys from the high school level and the transfer portal that it's, it's going to be a, a, a tight squeeze, right? A tight numbers game. So you have, uh, according to the 247's page uh, on the Oregon 23 class, you have 14 guys that are enrolled from the prep level, another 14 that have signed their national letter of intent, but haven't enrolled. So that's 28 and then 10 transfers. So 38. So just doing the math there, Oregon has overhauled so much, almost half of its roster, right? At least they're in the position to do that. Adding 38 guys to an 85 scholarship limit, it's going to be tricky. I'm surprised that we haven't seen more guys transfer out, and I think that's what a lot of people are thinking right now. I think once we get to spring football, you go through spring football, and then um, and then you have – you have those discussions again, right? I think by the time we get through spring football, a lot of these guys that are maybe borderline staying or entering the portal are going to know where they stand. And I think one thing that is worth mentioning here with regard to the scholarship limit is that, you know, like I just said, 14 guys in the 2023 class from the high school ranks that don't look like they have enrolled just – Ashton Kozar isn't showing up as enrolled here, but I know that he has – so let's just call it 10 guys that maybe haven't enrolled just yet. I think what I've been able to, to understand and gather is that, um, is that you have until the player enrolls at the school gets on campus to kind of figure out who's leaving or how you're kind of what, how you're making up for that room uh, on your scholarship numbers. So I think really to answer the question, I think it just ultimately comes down to having those conversations with the guys and maybe you have the conversation with, you know, Hey, you're, you've been here, you put in a lot of good work, but we just don't see it working out here. We don't see you playing a whole lot. Um, and then maybe possibly maybe some guys get asked to leave. Um, I feel like that's a reality. I, I, I don't have any, you know, hard evidence of that and I'm not claiming that it's happening but I feel like those kind of conversations happen in college football across the country. Um, so I think really to, to get down to it, you just have to have, uh, you have, you have to have more guys uh, ultimately, you know, hit the portal. Another question. Um, who else do you see transferring out because there's way more people than seats right now, or if you don't want to say names, how about positions? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit more movement maybe in the safety room um, or uh, at defensive line. Um, I think that those are two spots that are kind of crowded in terms of some experienced guys or some returning guys that maybe haven't really contributed a whole lot uh, and carved out a, a significant role since they got to Oregon. Um, I was talking a lot about the safeties this week because of Tysheem Johnson committing, right? Um, you have Jamal Hill and Steve Stevens coming back. And then we don't know what's happening with Brian Addison yet. Um, you have Damon David and, and um, JJ Greenfield. That's the guys who have played some football. Um, 
And then you have some some other guys that are still, you know, working to develop and, you know, break the rotation like like Trajan Williams. I'm not I'm not speculating that these guys are gonna transfer. I'm not saying that at all. I want to be very clear that I'm not speculating that these guys I'm discussing are gonna leave. I'm just talking about positions and kind of where the the depth kind of maybe stands there. So that's kind of what, what I see right now. Um, I, I see the safety room maybe seeing a little bit of movement there, and then maybe the defensive line room. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice once we get to spring football and you know just the season since we don't and then we won't have to talk about the portal uh, as quite as much. But um, but yeah, wanted to make sure I uh, addressed that question. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for me today on the, this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football with me. Before you leave, do me a favor and hit that like button. It just takes a second and hit that subscribe button. It is a tremendous help with what I'm doing. And then you can support the show by sharing it with your friends, with your family, and with other Duck fans. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at mtorussports. And I will catch you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.